Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I feel confident that Danny White will not take his marching orders from Clay Travis when it comes time to uh, (laughs) Pete Thamel. We are going to see more change in college athletics in the next 18 months than we saw in the last 10 years. And SI's Pat Forty. Maybe the SEC would be more open. They're 14 now. Say, okay, we'll go to 18. We'll take Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. I don't know. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, Pete, we know that uh, when it comes to um, mealtime, tend to have very little interest in the fast food industry. That's tend correct. Tend to stay out of the stay out of the fast food spots. I don't believe even with all the talk of our chicken sandwiches, you've ever even had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's one of his big drawbacks in life. It really is. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of drawbacks. I, I don't know if I'd categorize that as a big one, but it's, you know, it's a drawback. It's a drawback. Part of my Popeye's defense, if 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 the podcast is going to turn a referendum on health, is <laughs> there really aren't a lot of them in Boston where I happen to live. So there is yeah. one or two, but like, I don't know. I've just never felt compelled to go seek one out. I did feel like I would find one on the road somewhere in the last two years, but we haven't been on the road in a while. Well, the pandemic aside, before that, you definitely had a job that uh, took you, you know, it was not like you had a job that took you to the South often. Uh, where <laughs> I just cover Maine and New Hampshire I, football. Those are, the I, big, those are the big clickers <laughs> for Yahoo. Yeah. I, I'm hearing a very feeble defense is what I'm hearing. All right, it's a feeble defense, but I want to throw this hypothetical out there. What if okay. you were a young a football prospect and you were being recruited by the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. and they they handed you uh, a McDonald's bag full of uh, <laughs> tasty McDonald's food, no doubt, but also cold, hard cash or maybe be warmed up by the <laughs> the the heat from the chicken nuggets or something or the, the, the Big Mac. Uh, would you then would you then, Pete, partake in McDonald's if you're getting cash in the bag? Is this the way? Was was Tennessee just really trying to sell extra burgers by hooking young, <laughs> otherwise healthy teenagers on the glories of McDonald's by stuffing money in it, allegedly? <laughs> so uh, allegedly, if the, if such a thing would happen to me, I did actually apply to the University of Tennessee. That's a that's a fun fact. I was I was accepted and, and you know, Sully you and did? I could have been. Yeah, true story. True story. Went and visited wow. and everything. If I was handed that said bag of cash and I would be very upfront that I have no athletic acumen that would that would have, have prompted Tennessee to hand me any bag of cash or any dollar really. meal you're yeah. a dollar meal guy yeah 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 I let's just put it this way I don't think I'd be alerting the IRS of my uh, newfound windfall no. <laughs> I think we would we would probably go that way but I'm just curious if all these balls entering the transfer portal are really just looking for a fast food upgrade like do they want Chipotle <laughs> Are they looking at, um, I don't know, something like a little healthier maybe now that they're a little you know more mature in their careers and understand diet and exercise? Like it, it, it really could just be lazy fast fooding. I think they're saying supersize me. More cash in the bag <laughs> yeah. now that they've proven they can actually play. Can I be like a total buzzkill and just point out that like the fast food story is not actually true? I mean, I would hate to do that because we on this podcast, as our listeners know, we don't want the truth to get in the way of a good story. You don't know that. 
You don't know that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't have video, so like, I don't See? have. I don't have video of like it actually being Wendy's bags and not McDonald's bags. But um, I, I was disappointed when that story was shot down. Pretty much yeah. universally, it was a Dan Patrick story. You know, Dan Patrick, investigative journalist. That may not be his thing. Very talented radio host. Great show. Go on it often. Uh, terrific interviewer. Uh, good on TV. Maybe not recruiting violation, but he did say he said he asked his source, how did the they get these assistant head coaches on recruiting? I wish I could report what just random source says, because, boy, we got some doozies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, well, they put money in McDonald's bags and gave them to the recruits when they came on campus. Some of the campus visits were not organized and they were not above board. They were handing out cash. So you literally had bag men and they put the cash in McDonald's bags and handed it to recruits. And he also lumped Georgia in on that, saying they also yeah. were were sloppy. So that that was good. Uh, it can st- let's let's pretend this is true, though. This would this you can kind of see where this is going. Why this isn't working. <laughs> if if your level of thought is not beyond like like is beyond like let's just pull over and get some bags from McDonald's to hand out the cash. I will say this: <laughs> cash becomes cumbersome. Well, have you guys seen the movie Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? It's one of the great movies from like uh 15 years ago sully have you seen it yeah it's a good one it's about bungling drug dealers who get all this cash (laughs) from selling drugs and don't know what to do with it and it's like a very funny it's sort of set in that like tarantino way cash becomes a problem look at the wire like is it stringer bell goes to college yes it has to hand out to wash it all like if you are running an illicit cash enterprise the handling of the cash becomes more cumbersome. And it really shows you one of the downfalls, even though this story isn't true, of the Jeremy Pruitt era is that as they were cheating, which they clearly were in some way, they were not sophisticated enough to even have like satchels or Nike bat or something. But every good recruiting tale, every piece of lore, is it a briefcase? Is it a duffel bag? There is always a vehicle for the cash because cash is cumbersome. You just can't Venmo Recruits, I believe, gift cards had become the uh, yeah. much casino better vehicle. chips too. Casino chips, casino, casino chips. chips. Yeah, gift cards. Yeah. Uh, but, just straight up hooker parties at Miami. Like, I mean, at least Devin Shapiro. At least when Miami went down, yeah, some good stories. Like, uh, Sully, is it depressing that the best like wild recruiting story they've come up with so far is just McDonald's. Yeah. At least give me a collection plate <laughs> story. Like, geez, like there's, there's nothing it's terrible. <laughs> like I, I would uh, be more respectful and like do Gus's bags, get a local joint, not, not the, the big, big fast food chain too. Jeez. Oh, there you go. Support your local economy while you're paying your players under the table. That's I actually right. okay. know a story. This is from a long time ago, probably 1990s recruiting where a basketball assistant uh drove a player picked the player up back then uh, for official visit you could pick them up at their house if it was Mm. i think it was certain maybe still i don't know so the kid lived maybe 45 minutes hour away from campus so the assistant went got him picked him up drove him to campus and then they had the visit and on the way back they stopped at the mcdonald's right by the kid's house and he he sent him in with a hundred and the kid bought the whatever he's going to get and try to give him back the change. And he said, ah, yeah. good weekend, you know, that kind of <laughs> little extra something. But so that was kind of that. So this is an old, you know, it's an old ruse, right? Oh yeah. No, it's not new. And by the way, gift cards can be traced and can lead you into trouble. Ask Donnie Tyndall. Yes, uh, they can. Former it's not Tennessee a good idea. Even coach. if you buy cash, even if you cash yeah. those they're Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's plenty of ways to cheat and plenty of ways to get caught as it turns out. And uh, I would, uh, I, 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 we still don't even know exactly what the ele- the allegations are against Tennessee. But until they tell us, I say we just go with the McDonald's bags as gospel. McCheat, right? McCheat. <laughs> Did you watch McMillions? Did you see that uh, doc with the the uh, McDonald's pieces? How they they cheated the McDonald's? This is it. Did you see the uh, the tweet from Florida basketball after they just smoked the hell out of uh, Tennessee? Uh, I did. Yeah, we're loving it. Was, we're loving that it. Was, yep. That was that was that was quite a shot. It took me a second to get it, and then I got it, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that was good. That was good." Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just this is just has to go to the the just to the legacy, the lore. It yeah. doesn't have to be true anymore. No, but, but uh, yeah, it's a great, 
great little piece. Uh, it's I, I'm going to start throwing out. I want to. We kind of have a radio show. I had a source yeah. tell me that. I mean, I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, might as well. Yeah, let's honest to God. You know what we should do without naming names is like every month have the most outlandish sourced, unsubstantiated source rumor that's come through the. Uh, through the podcast pipeline because we get them like all the time. All right. Well, look, we we uh, picked on Tennessee plenty in the last podcast, and for good reason. They allowed their fan base to run the last uh, coaching search, and threw Greg Schiano aside to hire Jeremy Pruitt and Phil Fulmer, and then destroyed the whole thing, even yep. worse than it was. And and there was some bad news, but then we have a glimmer of light, which is why Sully is is still it's got a little twinkle in his eye. In the interim, we found out that uh, they are going to move on from from Phil Fulmer as the AD, uh, but not before paying him for a couple more years, nearly a million bucks to do nothing. <laughs> and this is the guy that they're going to say is the ultimate Vol and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh. right loyalty to the Vols. He's ripping you off <laughs> completely. You are getting played by Phil Fulmer. Ski mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah note to the teller it's not even a COVID that's what mask. he's doing it's, it's it it's yeah it's a ski mask over his COVID mask well, I ain't nobody more loyal to the Vols than Coach Fulmer that's right <laughs> pay me next three years not to work I'll be loyal that's too right. I'll that's be right. coming Rocky Top every day $37,500 a month for the next three years to not do a terrible job at your athletic department that you were never qualified for and only got out of an uprising of desperation that's because right. your fans I, lost their marbles and thought Greg Schiano was terrible. I do think they cut it to half because it was going to be three full years at about a million. And I think they got out for somewhere less than that. I think that's, oh, that's what that. I read yesterday. Is that right, Sully? There is a reworking, but I never saw the numbers. But I, I did see that story right. that they were reworking it. It's much, much better. <laughs> yeah. But I want to know this. Like, say, say Fulmer had got to the national title game and then lost back in 98. Does that where you cut off the rationality? Like, how loyal do you get? Like, where do you just go from loyal to irrationally loyal, which is where Tennessee is now? You know, they, they've handed him the money. He's already made three million. They already extended him unjustly. Like, where where does where do you sit around and say and look like at Georgetown? They're probably thinking about this with Patrick Ewing right now. Right. Like, like when you bring back the legend and you have to handsomely pay them for the job, it is kind of a fascinating quintessentially collegiate conundrum i mean the broncos just went through it with the with john elway right he was a terrible executive pat how bad was john elway as an executive you're a broncos fan um he did one good thing he won a, won a super he bowl stepped down well that's he, he did one good thing he got peyton manning and won a super bowl yeah okay so af right. after that very bad a lot yes. of bad decisions. No, not not great, but he did get him a Super Bowl, which is a yeah. lot more. We'll we'll take it. Hey, yeah. If his name were three in the history Smith, of French, and he did not star there, how much sooner would they have fired him? Two years ago, maybe okay. year, two years. Okay. Certainly becomes a thing. You get it like Memphis Penny Hardaway. Like I think they were they gave him a huge contract this year. Yeah, you know, it's like what are you going to do, right? Yeah, to a degree, yeah. Harbaugh in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, right, right. No, that's the thing. You 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 get in deep with with a with a hero of the olden days that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy, and it could be tough to get back out. Everyone wants to make it work, but yeah. All right. Well, then half the team entered the transfer portal. Not surprising. Yeah. It's been a good week uh, at Tennessee. If I were them, I would be running also. But here on Thursday, the, the Vols are about to hire or have hired a Danny uh, White. The uh, athletic director at the University of Central Florida, up and coming AD, son of uh, Kevin White, who's the AD at Duke and was at Notre Dame. Brother Mike White is the head coach, uh, basketball coach at Florida. The Whites are all over college sports, and Danny White is your new Vol. So Brian uh, White is Lee at FAU, and there's a White sister who's at F uh, at SMU. SMU. They're everywhere. Yeah, They're everywhere. Big family, great family. Yes, wonderful. And people. this will be a professional touch. I feel confident that Danny White will not take his marching orders from Clay Travis when it comes time <laughs> to uh, my man. Clay is probably on the outs on this search. That alone, it, it makes you better than what we had. Danny White will make the decision himself. He is a professional. Uh, Sully, how good do you feel about Danny White taking the job? Oh, relief. Big relief. 
you have a chance at, at taking the program back and kicking out, you know, the legend and kicking out the boosters from the boardroom. And he built the Bows House and everything that UCF's been, you know, for the past few years. It's a that's a giant upgrade in my opinion. So who's he hire? They're going to hire a coach quicker to stop the steal, get the job for the whole year. What are we going to do here? What do you think, Pat? Uh, it's a great question. I, I think they go ahead and make another hire quickly if they can. Uh, I don't think you want to do an interim coach. If you may, if you hire the right guy, you you might get a lot of these people to come back out of the transfer portal. So it's, you know, like I think at least four of their, you know, highly productive players uh, have exited that direction this week. He's got, he's, he's made, uh, Danny White's made some good moves. He's made some moves that I think are kind of, eh. But the hire that he made at Buffalo worked out extremely well in Lance Leipold, who won, like, to a silly degree, Division Three. Wisconsin-Whitewater. Had, like, five 15-0 seasons. Was, like, 109-6. and six. Went to Buffalo. and 6 Yeah. And one season had three of the losses. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's just... It's a silly, silly record. Like no, no Division One coach has ever had that record. So he goes to Buffalo. I think struggled for two years, and then the last three years they've been very good, really good by Buffalo standards. And the thing is, does it translate to the SEC? He has no experience there. We went through this trauma before with Greg Schiano. Who what's he ever done? He ain't worked in the SEC. Well, maybe. I'm not, I can't say that Lance Leipold will be a slam dunk, but boy, I, I think he'd be an attractive candidate. He's a very, very solid football coach who can win throwing the ball. He can win running the ball. He can win with defense. Uh, and he's a proven commodity. So that would be the guy that I think would be at the top of the list for Danny White, potentially, is the guy, first of all, that he knows and has a relationship with and I think presents an attractive resume. You know who never had any uh, SEC experience before going to the SEC? Nick Saban. Yeah, right. Urban Meyer, coach and yeah. coach. It's not that special. <laughs> That's right. It's not that you're not that special. We love you, SEC, but it doesn't mean that much more. <laughs> you need a competent guy to unleash the power of Tennessee and get good players from around the area that will want to go to your school because it's a great place to play football. And then they coach him into a semblance of a winning team. You'll be fine if you get that. Don't worry about the uh, whether the guy, uh, you know, has a southern drawl or not. Well, right? I, I, I know this will shock Sully and uh, the people with 10 years in the Tennessee Athletic Department who I know listen to our podcast and have, have perhaps thought we've been a bit too critical of the Vols. I, I think we've been fair and pragmatic, but uh, this is an excellent hire. I mean, I, I'm stunned Danny White would go volunteer to cannonball into that dumpster fire. But here he is. A quick list of his hires during his time at Buffalo and UCF. Scott Frost, who was excellent at UCF. Josh Heupel, who was very good but trending the wrong way. Leipold's been great at Buffalo. Nate Oates was fantastic at Buffalo and not a no-brainer hire. He'd just been a, a high school coach a few years before he went on Bobby Hurley's staff, and then he was uh, promoted, and he also hired Bobby Hurley at, uh, at, at Buffalo. So, uh, and Johnny Dawkins has been a really good basketball hire at, at UCF. So those are that is a very strong track record, and... I really feel like if if I had to distill the Tennessee search to three gettable names, and I will add Lance Leipold's name because of the tie. I think that I think Pat made great points about Lance. He has done nothing but proven a completely solid, competent coach who figured out the way to jump from D three to D one. And there are a lot of signs he would point out that he would handle the jump to a higher level a lot better. If I'm Danny White, I target. One of these three guys, if he's not going to go after Lance, you can't have a search and land the plane and talk to a guy. You've got to go covert, get somebody on board, pull them and go. I think the three candidates would be Neil Brown at West Virginia, Scott Satterfield at Louisville and Sonny Dykes at SMU. You could now we could talk about this guy's a candidate. Should it be this guy? Tony Elliott at Clemson is another name. If I was to do five names, I'd put Lance and Tony. But if you want a sitting head coach, Sonny was a Power 5 coach. He's not right now at SMU, but he's built them into a Power 5 capable program. I think you need somebody with some gravitas, with some chops. I feel like those would be, that would be a candidate pool of which you really couldn't go wrong. There's a little bit of a reach factor there, and, and maybe some of those guys think they have better jobs now. But I do think the whole paradigm of the Tennessee job changes when you bring in Danny White. Because it shows an end to the old guard, the start of stability. If Phil Fulmer was still there, 
you would still be plotting through those same old recycled names. So I really think this is the dawn of a new day for Tennessee. Get Sully the smelling salts. I'm sure he's just not heard. He hasn't felt this good since halftime of the Georgia game. You're correct on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. This, I've been saying all along, I, I, I want to hear more about these people who think we're too mean to them. I keep saying you guys could be good if you just stop yeah. sucking. <laughs> stop sucking. Stop Is that screwing your Dan up. Campbell, your Dan Campbell moment? Well, but yeah, get to Coach Campbell. Should I hire Coach Campbell? No, don't stop. even. I mean, it's, Tennessee should be great. I, Tennessee I think should I, be. Yeah, I think you needed to bring in a pro, and I, I will guarantee, again, like Danny White's not, these guys are not, they know everything about college athletics. He's got they got family everywhere. They know everything. He's not going yeah. in there without a huge contract for a long time and the unclear the clear power to tell every booster, message board poster, anybody else to get out of here. I'm running this show. And that's what you need. And if you do that, you know, these some of these places are good enough that they will operate if you just get some organization. And uh I think he'll uh, you know, that's a great list. Take any of those five. Yeah, it's a good, intriguing list. It really is. Interesting name. Sonny Dykes has done a very good job at SMU, and he's he's very much your, you know, your pass-friendly, you know, creative offensive mind. Uh, Neil Brown has done very well, I think, at uh, West Virginia as well. Satterfield, great first year, bad second year. If his name even comes up living in Louisville, people will just march down Floyd Street and light the stadium on fire. After the whole <laughs> South Carolina fiasco uh, there, but yeah, no, I mean, look, it's but don't it, you think it the AD be a overreacted job. there, Pat? Well, yes, I do think the AD overreacted. He screwed I up, also think and then the AD made it worse. That would be my read of that. He screwed up. The AD made it worse, and then Satterfield made it worse again. I think there was a lot of a lot of error involved there, and now the relationship may be bad enough that Satterfield's like, okay, get me out of here. You know that uh, that could be, but. Any of those guys should be able to go in and instill some measure of competence and confidence that Tennessee can be back to a degree. So bring it on. I'm uh, I'm ready for Tennessee to be relevant again. We all we like going to games there. Believe it or not, it's fun. Well, it's do you potential. think Danny White should do his press conference with like a McDonald's bag sitting right next to him? You know, like Nick Saban has a Coke. <laughs> I think he'll do this. I know this. Danny White will finally get a home game against Florida. Yeah. Tried like hell when he was at UCF to get Florida to come to the bounce house and play, and they wouldn't do it. Now, now they'll play. Step up and declare yourself a national champion of something. <laughs> he would have done it at halftime of the Georgia game, right? Yeah. <laughs> First half national champs. First half national right. champs. There you Sully, go. can we get you LSU. a T-shirt that commemorates that moment? Uh, First half SEC East champs, 20, uh, 2020. Oh, That'd be tremendous. Would you wear that? I, I like that shirt, but I love the orange and white Hamburglar shirt that started circulating <laughs> around Twitter uh, the other day. So uh, if you give me one of those, I'll, I'll, I would re good. really rep the orange and white Hamburglar. The ha that's right. The Hamburglar, Hamburglar. is there. <laughs> Mayor McCheese would have nothing to do with this. <laughs> no. Mayor McCheese looking down, down his nose at all this chicanery. <laughs> Just can't have it. Just can't have it. All right. Speaking of uh, competency or or lack thereof, it's Pac-12. Mm. They finally <sighs> they finally took out uh, Larry Scott. Made a, a, a nice penny. Was famed for moving his uh, offices to uh, downtown San Francisco. Great list here from John Canzano, our buddy out at uh, Oregon Live, the Oregonian, and uh, that's a great talk show out there. Some of the expenses that Larry Scott racked up. He really had the. Uh, the champagne taste. There was the $5.3 in salary, the chartered jets, the lavish hotel suites, a $1.9 million interest-free loan. How about that? that? Uh, that's always, I want those. That as far <laughs> as anyone knows, there's not any payment on. The $7 million in rent for the San Francisco offices, downtown San Francisco, not a cheap place to have. There's a reason most of these other conferences have their conference offices. It's like the one thing conferences like avoid expense on like yeah. college athletics will blow every dollar possible. But even they sit there and go, maybe the big East should be in Providence, not in Manhattan <laughs> or right. the big tens in Chicago. Well, actually we're out in the suburbs near O'Hare 
in Birmingham and Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Atlantic 10s and like Newport News Dallas. or something. Yeah. 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 We're not, yeah. we're not, right. not the Pac-12, baby. Downtown SF. <laughs> can I can I hijack this for one funny detail? So the Big East used to be in Providence. I went down to see Trangizi once back in the day. They were in an office park to show you the humble, humble setting. The like it was just like some regular office you walk into. The Rhode Island Philharmonic was across the hall <laughs> from the Big East. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just found like completely amusing. So this is this is what they do. Like this is yeah. where we're the one thing. I don't know why. How did this become the trend? I don't know. That is, it's really interesting, actually, because if you, I guarantee, look, if you let them have their brothers now, you know, the ACC's moving to frickin' Amelia Island or something, and the the SEC would move to Buckhead, and uh, you know, the 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 big the Big Twelve would move to Midtown Dallas or something like that. You know, I mean, the the, the, the if you let the Champagne tastes invade now, where they're located, like like the Pac-12 did. Yeah, I mean, the NFL, NBA. They're all in Manhattan. Like they're not, they're, you know, Roger yeah, Goodell right. ain't trooping out to those suburbs of Long Island. Nope. Uh, so this is what you do. But uh, for whatever reason, but not not the Pac-12. So we knew how to spend money. Go ahead, Pete. No, I was just told last night by someone in the Pac-12 that it's like a foregone conclusion that the Pac-12 will move and get out of that rent deal as soon as they can. Now, do they go to Vegas, suburban Phoenix, somewhere on the outskirts of San Francisco or the outskirts of L.A.? That's not determined yet, but it is sort of fait accompli. It's almost like they need to move to like give closure to Larry Scott's. I would say that was his most disastrous expenditure. Like that, the, the miscast of that, and we, we can dive in more later, was just like probably his most glaring blunder because it was just unforgivable, the amount of money they spent. And then the excuses he made to justify it were a media company, as with his salary. It, it just, all these things just kept piling up. But anyway, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to hijack yeah. that, but they're, they're, he also, they will not be He also that. ran the network and he Correct. ran that poorly. And that was one of his problems was he, it's two separate jobs. Yeah. You can't be in charge like to be a network executive and to also run an athletic conference. There's not really any carryover in those two things. Two totally different skill sets, two huge jobs, but he took both uh and and then mismanaged uh both of them. They used to be by the way the Pac-12 used to be in Walnut Creek, which is east of the uh bay and uh, it sounds nice, you know, but it's, I mean, like one of the far, not nowhere near as expensive as San Francisco or, uh, South Bay where the Silicon Valley area. So, I mean, I don't know whether they'd consider moving back there or not, but anyway, go ahead, Dan. I mean, you yes, also got to was... pay all your other employees yeah. a ton of money to live in that area. It's not just your salary, but it's like, how do you get anybody? It's, it's an extremely expensive place that doesn't, anyway, he spent a lot of money. So look, here's the thing. I think a lot of people you, you look and you say, look, the football programs are not doing well. The network isn't doing well. Uh, he has not advocated for his schools. The, the, the COVID thing, they, they were very reactionary, kind of got forced into a season. Like which way are you choosing? He hasn't pushed for the playoff, different stuff. What what's realistic uh, as we go forward and, and you can go through some of the candidates, but what's realistic on what they might be able to, you know, what can a commissioner really do? Because at no point can they make the Pac-12, no commissioner could make the Pac-12 as popular as the SEC or the Big Ten. It's a different culture. The people in California are not all going to become college sports fans the way, not that all of them are in the others, but the, the same level of preponderance is not going to be there. There's just it just can't happen. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much population. There's only so much. There's only so much entertainment dollar. What's reasonable in who they should hire and what maybe what that person should try to uh, to accomplish? That's a great question because you know some conferences you just you are what you are to a degree, and the guy the figurehead in charge isn't capable of of completely radically remaking. Uh, what a conference can do. And the, the Pac-12 ceiling is probably to a degree where it is for for two reasons. One being uh, fan interest. I mean, do they demand to be great all the time like the SEC and to an extent the Big Ten and to an extent the Big 12 do? No, probably not. And the second thing is geography. You're not, you know, you can, you can play games at 9 a.m., but you're, A, you're hurting a fickle fan base with that, and B, you're probably just better off playing at more normal times and having your games later and being seen by fewer people. So there's some natural 
limitations to what the Pac-12 can be. I think the biggest thing the league needs is someone who can strike a better media deal and someone who can be a forceful advocate for playoff expansion. I think those are your two primary goals for a commissioner. Uh, you know, you can you can certainly advocate within your membership. Hey, let's do what we can to make football good on your campus from an expenditure standpoint, from a commitment standpoint. But really, your role is probably going to be more media rights and playoff expansion. I wrote a column uh, for Yahoo that, that that went up on Thursday afternoon. It basically said like Larry Scott got to the Pac-12, Pac-10 in 2009, and the Pac-12 was lagging behind in revenue, lacking in national relevancy, and not being able to compete with the other major conferences. Now, he changed that trajectory for the first five or six years of his time there. They had a historic television deal. They got brought on the network. They were buzzy. They were edgy. They were ahead. The problem was the back half of that deal, they didn't really do anything to supplement the money. Everyone went past them. And essentially, 11 years later, the Pac-12 is right where Larry Scott found them as the Pac-10. They are lagging far behind in revenue. They don't really have a plan for the network. And their teams are hurting competitively because they don't have the same amount of revenue coming in. Now, is it Larry Scott's fault that USC made the back-to-back disastrous AD hires of uh, Pat Hayden and Lin Swan? No. Like, is it his fault that Lane Kiffin was a dud and Steve Sarkeesian imploded and Clay Helton has just sort of been uh, from upper middle class or middle class? No. Like, that cast... All of this is Larry Scott's fault would be unfair, I think. But Larry Scott made himself a media executive, doubled, essentially doubled his pay, and then didn't give any value to go along with that. And, and when he did that, he made himself a target. And then all of a sudden, all of the things that happened to the league ended up getting pointed back to him. And so I, I really feel like Pat's right. Like media expertise is going to be a huge piece of this because I think Scott's biggest failure was casting himself as a media expert and then failing with, with the Pac-12 network. He even said to me on the phone last night, we'll see in 23-24, you know, this could be the best thing that ever happened to the Pac-12 that have full ownership of this thing. Like, I'm sorry. I think that's preposterous. Now, yeah, I don't work for some three-last-name media consulting company, but I know this. I cover national college sports. I watch more college sports than 99.9% of Americans. I don't have the Pac-12 network. Pat only has the Pac-12 network to watch his daughter swim at Stanford. Dan, do you have the Pac-12 <laughs> network? Nope. Well, don't Pat, have it. let me say this. I only have it on, on Hulu uh, or whatever the heck, or, or Sling. Sling is what I got it on. That's the only way I can get it. It still yeah. sucks. So there you <laughs> have it. Yes. And all of us could expense the Pac-12 network, by the way. I, I would think yeah, generally right? like we, we've certainly expensed less relevant things to our day to day job than than, you know, nine ninety nine for that. But making building the Pac-12 network, housing in San Francisco, spending that money on it and getting zero return. Like I'll watch the Big Ten network once a week. There'll be a game on. Right. Like I'm sure I watched Purdue, yeah. Ohio oh, State yeah. the other night. I, you know, this year I watched many games on the SEC network. They invite, like, the, and I want to say this. There's a distinction. The Pac-12 network, like, the production's fine. The programming's fine. Like, the people there do a yeah, good the job. the people that work there, yes. Yes. It yes. is not an inferior product. It has inferior inventory that it can show. And so they've just, they've just never figured out a way to do that. And that ultimately, Larry Scott got greedy. And then he got in over his head by getting greedy, and then he never figured out a way out of it. And then I really think that if you look at his downfall, it starts really to slip in 18 when they have that officiating controversy. He doesn't run off Woody Dixon when everybody thought he should. And then I guess Larry's other big flaw was he never really courted relationships with the athletic directors. He treated them as inferior. Yeah, and that, right. and now he worked at it more lately when his job was in trouble, but that general arrogance that he brought to those relationships really uh, just created division in the league. And it recognized how little campus ties he'd had over the years. Like if, if they hire someone with athletics experience, they're going to know these ADs because they all went to NACTA together and work together at this athletic department or whatever. So he was an outsider who initially did well, and then when things went wrong and things went sideways, he didn't have the goodwill and he had too big of a salary for him to uh, for him to recover from that. But I, I'd be curious what you guys think because he even said it last night in twenty three twenty four owning that. I just think that that they, like they got sold a bill of goods with that at this point. Like that was for years that was his big play, 
And now he'll be long gone diving into his pool of money in his hot tub to, you know, to when when that thing comes to roost. The network. I mean, look, when you're showing games, you're showing games, which is pretty much all anybody watches on these networks. And then you can have a talk show. Those are fine. He promised that thing would be innovative. It wasn't a lot of the hires at the uh, at the highest level were kind of dinosaur hires and in 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 a network. They obviously couldn't get the distribution going. They aren't getting the the basic cable fees that you do in in these other states where you can, you know, look, you you pull the Hawkeye games off of the cable TV in Iowa and people start rioting. And then, you you know, you just can't do that in these other states. The network could have been good, but the idea that he was running it, I don't know. I don't know what he can do at this point, but some of the basic things of of that that he didn't push for, you know, so we'll see. I wanted to get to this, though, Pete, you had a story recently about, you know, changes coming. And and we're now looking at we've had a new, fairly new Big Ten and SEC AD. There's a new ACC, Pac-12. Uh, there's a lot of turnover at the top. And we're entering this thing where we have conference realignment, possibly. Uh, I don't know that it'll reach the top school, the top leagues, but like the American is is looking at Boise and San Diego State. You have playoff expansion. There's five years left on this deal. Are we going to see, you know, a change in that? You know, I said all along why Larry Scott hadn't been pounding the table to try to get his his teams in the playoff. I, I don't I don't know. I don't get it. You're not in the playoff. You haven't been in in four years. You're irrelevant. You know, is there the the name, image, and likeness deal? What are you going to do with that? How do you handle all of those things? That could be very, very good for the Pac-12. Because right now, they're, you know, change could be good for this league. Certainly, being in Los Angeles and big markets like this could be a good thing. We'll see. We're, but we're entering a huge time of change in college sports, and we're going to get a new generation basically running this thing, right? Yeah, you know, and I really think to, to dovetail back to your first question, I, I think Oliver Luck is the, the best name I've heard for, for the Pac-12. He was a name in the ACC search, and everybody in the ACC was puzzled he didn't get more traction. He's worked on campus. He's worked at the NCAA. He's been an executive of a sports league that brokered a, you know, $100 million television deal within the last two or three years. He is also the father of multiple Stanford athletes and a, and a Yale soccer player, too, from a common sense perspective. And he has some of the social graces that, that Larry didn't. Oliver Luck is just kind of a generally engaging down-home guy. That, and I think Bruce Feldman tweeted somebody saying it last night, it makes too much sense, so they probably won't do it, you know? But I would think if, if you're doing any list of who to go to on the Pac-12, I really feel like uh, I really feel like it starts with with Oliver Luck, and then there can be plenty of names from there. But in terms of, Dan, how the question you just asked of where we could be going with all this, it'll be interesting because the last round of expansion was basically a TV cable box play, right? Like, if they were expanding now, Rutgers and Maryland would not be in the Big Ten because that was just basically to get cable boxes on the I-95 corridor. And so obviously there are still 79 million cable boxes in America. That hasn't gone away, but that number is not trending up and will never again trend up. So it, there was just a thought of bigger means more inventory means a bigger deal, bigger markets help, et cetera. So as you go as you go and expand and look to expand now, so all these TV deals are coming up. And as you go to expand now, I, I, I'd be curious, like, if there are different baselines for what places are looking like. Boise is a small market. It's a great program. Does that maybe change people's thinking about Boise because market size, and the Boise market's actually growing pretty fast, market size isn't as important as maybe it once was, like when you're building the Big East and you want a school in Pittsburgh, a school in New York, a school in Boston, a school in Connecticut, whatever. So the, the dynamics, a lot of these things are changing. Uh, I think the playoff dynamics really changing. A couple people pointed out on Twitter last night that Bob Bowlesby is the only commissioner left from when the CFP was created seven, eight years ago. I think we've had seven CFPs. It was probably created a year before that. So, you know, yes, college sports is getting younger. It's changing dynamically. Uh, it was interesting that Larry Scott told me last night on the phone, he wasn't really a huge fan of where things were going with college athletics, just in general. Like he, he didn't, he was unsure what guardrails would be in place of the name, image and likeness and just was, was pretty blunt about not being a, not being a big fan about where things were, were headed. So we are going to see more change in college athletics in the next 18 months than we saw in the last 10 years. I really think there is just going to be insane amounts of change, massive amounts of seismic change. I think it's coming. It's coming quickly and it's going to be frenetic. 
Okay, I do not disagree with you at all. But what are going to be the driving purposes then behind if there's conference realignment and or expansion? If, if, if it's not cable boxes, what is it? What's driving them to say, you know, let's go get Boise or let's move from conference A to conference B? It's a good question. You know, the like the, the fun rumor um, is that the SEC will go after Texas and Oklahoma and just try to do like the world takeover. Now, remember last time, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State had to come as tagalongs, which ultimately right. I think really gummed up the Pac-12 deal. That was probably Larry Scott's boldest thing. Like he had, right. he had Texas and yeah. Oklahoma pretty much in the bag, and then they they ended up uh, they ended up backing out. And how how the world may be different if uh, much different discussion if that had happened. Correct, correct. Uh, but even the fact that he went after him was that was just a radically different. Yeah. That was sort of he threw down the gauntlet early on in his career in uh, in that. So is like a place like Notre Dame, for example, which has a TV deal up, I think, in 24 coming up. Did, can they go to a straight streaming play? Like, do, do, do you start courting like individual customers in that way? Like, what would you pay to see a like a Notre Dame USC game when they're both ranked in the top 10? Like, I don't think I'd hesitate to throw down 25 bucks to do that right now. That's it's easy to say, more complicated. But like, is a place like Notre Dame now? Does a place like Texas see that they already have their own network in place? You know, the same amount of people watch it as watch the Pac-12 network. But like, when you have the infrastructure in place, do you say, hey, maybe we go independent and run our own ship and control our own rights because there could be like, I just think we have to start thinking differently. Now, ultimately, market is important, and you know, population size is important. I'm not going to dismiss that, but I do think that the the factors and just the the media dynamics are drastically different. I don't know that there's going to be any expansion. I mean, I get why the Americans trying to AAC's thinking we get Boise and San Diego State were that much stronger. And I think they're trying to say we should be if you're going to expand a playoff, we deserve a spot. Right. And we're yeah. going to make that play. And if not, we'll pretty much corner up, sweep up the market on anyone who's going to be good enough and be able to do it. Um, so I, I don't know that the major conferences I I I have a hard time believing anything's changed in Oklahoma where they're just going to let Oklahoma State get left behind. Why would the why would the state of Oklahoma allow that? Just because you, you think want the Oklahoma same political considerations would still be there. Yeah, uh, you would, know, I mean, maybe the SEC would be more open. They're fourteen now. Say, okay, we'll go to eighteen. We'll take Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. I don't know, but what the is that even a league anymore? I mean, no, I mean, it would, Dan, you coined the phrase to now. the best of my knowledge. They're all TV channels. They're not they're not conferences. They're not regional conferences. They're TV channels. Uh, I, I don't know. I you know, that's the thing. I, I personally, I think an 18 team conference would be terrible. Uh, I think it would be so ridiculously unwieldy, impossible to schedule, impossible to have, you know, fair alignments of divisions or, or whatever you tried to do. That uh, I think it would be a really bad move, but who knows? It wouldn't be know? fun either. Like, no, where's I the fun? I always go back to Boston College, which I grew up, you know, watching, and that was the local school. And in Boston College athletics used to really matter in Boston because they played other schools in the area, mm -hmm. and so and their basketball and football programs were better then than they are now in the ACC, and they can't sell any games out anymore. You know, you could sell out a game against Providence because some of the people were from Providence or you got your neighbor who went to, Pro you know, though Boston College had a thing going and then it went big and I get it had to. But now it's like unless Zion Williamson's showing up, no one pays any attention to them. And, you know, their their teams aren't as good as they used to be. So it's like you have 18, it may be horrible, 18 team, these 14 teams yeah. are bad. Right. It's just, no, they, they, they do nothing for you. You know, I mean, that's like out of I'm trying to think off the top of my head out of the schools that have that moved in the last great relocation, like who any of them. What's that? Who benefited? Yeah. Well, not necessarily who benefited, but who actually has developed an, a an identity within that conference? You know, I would maybe like Utah and the Pac-12. I don't know. TCU. But I mean, TCU, yeah. yeah, but TCU made sense. That was, you know, they're right there in the middle of it. I mean, Missouri, if you want to get the fans riled up at Missouri, talk about Kansas. Don't talk about Texas A&M or Arkansas or whatever. Talk about the team they haven't played in eight years. Uh, you know, I, Arkansas probably still would rather, you know, hate Texas than hating LSU. 
uh, and so on and so forth. You can go on down the line. I mean, as you mentioned, BC, Syracuse. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 just been a forced marriage that doesn't necessarily. It may produce money and it may produce some perks of membership, but I'm not sure it produces any greater passion. And if you're a fan, what good is that? Like, great. Some associate ADs making more money. Some strike with your pair, strike coach more. But my team stinks, and there's no. I don't. I don't get excited for the games anymore because a BC NC State game. Maybe ostensibly it's a higher quality game than the old BC Rutgers game, or you know whatever. But it's just like I don't care. Yeah. So it's uh, the cubicle factor. I've I've brought this yeah. up on the pod before. Like if you work at Fidelity in downtown Boston, there's guys in your cubicle from UConn, from Providence, from Syracuse. There is nobody from Georgia Tech or NC <laughs> State or uh, Louisville, right? Like right. that's just not. It's it's not. You don't. Even, you've never met anyone in your life if you're from the Northeast who's graduated from those schools. So never and mind. That's why like the big yeah. That's why the SEC works and the Big Ten works. Like Jackson, Mississippi's got all like mm-hmm. all, they're all there, right? Even a city like yeah. that, or it's it's, yeah, it's Atlanta. You know, they like, put Atlanta. No. Right? They put the they put the Big Ten basketball tournament in uh, in Chicago because it's where half the alums live. Yeah. Everybody grows to Big Ten school and then moves to Chicago to work. It's it, so it's like this is this is your thing. Anyway, I, I there's a lot coming. And I actually think we're better off with a, a new generation to to handle these challenges, particularly name, image, and likeness, which is just a disaster so far that the the NCAA is doing nothing. So I'm in favor of a of a new breed coming in. I think there's some some obvious steps with name, image, and likeness, the football playoff, and and, and maybe some stuff that all these other guys have been punting down the road while they took bonuses for their TV networks. Yeah, no, I think they, they we're definitely coming to a a fork in the road of all right, what's going to be the next play. I don't know what the heck the next play is. Apologies to our listeners. I got nothing for you there. <laughs> all right. Well, look, if you're uh, worried about the future and this is all just new and, and, and can might rattle you, rattle you to the core, what is going to happen here? What happens if the quarterback's making more than the, how <laughs> uh, you build a team, Coach Bryant couldn't have done that. That's that's my favorite argument there, though. Really. I'm like, do you get paid the same? Everyone in your company does, huh? What are we got the Bernie <laughs> yeah. Sanders uh, College Football Association. <laughs> Never seen so many so many guys in the South turn socialist. How about that? Right? And when they you talk know? about the, oh, they're going to work. Well, all the other sports have <laughs> right. partial scholarships, and and by socialist they mean don't pay anybody anything. Don't pay anyone everything. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I guess the head coach makes as much as the assistant coaches, though. Yeah. How, does, right. how does this work? I can't, I can't, what organization could exist if people are being paid different amounts of money? Right. Um, all of them? I don't, yeah. <laughs> every, every single organization that pays people. Yes. Every single one. All of them. But if we if you if you need a dose of old school, old school football, and we're we're really we're really sad here. That uh, this guy is a, he's a new head coach. Unfortunately, he's not in college football, yeah. and that's former Texas A and M tight end and NFL tight end Dan Campbell, who was hired by the uh, Detroit Lions. And I know this is pro football, but we we just have to play this introductory press conference. <laughs> and, and there was a million. First off, he's willing to be called uh, the 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 dude like for Big Lebowski <laughs> because he knows he resembles that guy. Uh, he had uh, a astounding number of of just epic football guy one liners. Might be the greatest. He, I assume no one listening is a Detroit Lions fan. And if you are, like, what the hell? Uh, why? <laughs> but go listen to this press conference. I mean, it includes like he he wants to talk about protecting home field. When you come in here, you're going to get beat up. I'm talking about the team, not the city. Tourists are welcome. <laughs> I think it's not going to beat up the tourists. That's good. Dan Campbell thinks there's tourists that come to Detroit. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) what's there to see around here? Uh, Chicago. Okay. Get the hell out of here. Hey, I've been there like, you know, because the final four was there, you know, what'd you go visit the Motown museum? Other than that, I I visited one of the bars downtown. Yeah. I took you to some bars. I'll give you a tour, but that was all the tourism is. That was it. So tourism in Detroit. Go to the Motown <laughs> Museum there. Everyone likes Motown. Anyway, Sully, play this thing because we wish this guy was coaching college football because this is absolutely one of the all-time great 
uh, press conference. This is his introductory press conference. I mean, who doesn't love this guy? Go ahead, Sully. And so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. All right. And we're going to learn that any loss that we take, we're going to make sure we feel the full pain of it and not go numb to it. Kneecaps, gentlemen, kneecaps <laughs> bitten off. Both of them, both kneecaps bitten off one bite. <laughs> Didn't seem like he was gnawing on it, and it, it was like we will bite a single bite. Powerful jaws. They're gonna they're gonna have a jaw strength and conditioning guy. That's a fifteen yard penalty biting, right? <laughs> I I would hope it's more. It might be an ejection, quite frankly, <laughs> especially in COVID. Probably time. It's a red card in soccer. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Mike Tyson even got thrown out of a fight. I mean, even the UFC banned biting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. football I, coach. Bad level. I mean, we're we, gonna bite him. You're gonna knock me down. I'm gonna bite you. <laughs> I did. You know, listening to that one thing you did here, they're gonna get knocked down a lot. Now, maybe that is <laughs> that. Maybe that's accurate presaging when you're the coach of the Lions. You know, but uh, still, <laughs> there's a lot of being knocked down there. So let's hope they keep getting back up for the sake of the poor downtrodden Lions. Apparently, in in winning just a single playoff game in in 63 seasons. Uh, none of the previous Lions coaches thought about being tough. That, that, <laughs> that's the first time. Yeah. Well, that's going to be the difference. Was a rocket scientist, right? Didn't he study yeah, that, at, uh, that at pencil, RPI yeah. or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah. Pencil. So they were like, you know what? We're just going to go. We're, we're going to go from high end intellect to just straight chrome magnum. We're just going <laughs> to <laughs> straight meathead. Yep. Yep. Nope. Nope, nope. He showed a little too much intellectual flair. We need somebody who's just going to go right after the soles and kneecaps of our <laughs> franchise. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. It is amazing. Uh, like, right. Just the, the persistent futility there, though. I, I distinctly remember my son, Clayton, who is now 23. When he was four, I was explaining the Pro Bowl to him and said, every team gets somebody in the Pro Bowl. And he looks at me at age four and says, even the Lions? <laughs> <laughs> 19 Barry, years later, you can still ask the same question. Barry Sanders, yeah. <laughs> Their two greatest players in franchise history just quit rather than continue playing. Yeah. Barry Sanders and Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Just said I'm out. Uh, anyway, Dan Campbell, if it doesn't work out in Detroit, or if it does, please come to college football. Yes. We got plenty of places that'll take that. Bite the kneecap. All right. We'll be back next week. More exciting news from the world of college sports. Talk to you then. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.